Radio 570 KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Get ready to raise a toast with Seattle's most spirited hour of talk. Happy Hour Radio, sponsored by Mary Hill Winery. Explore the best in Washington wines, beer, spirits, food, and more with your guide, Seattle sommelier, Christopher Chan. It's Happy Hour Radio, right now on Talk Radio 570 KVI. All right. Hello, Seattle. Hello, Puget Sound, and welcome to Happy Hour Radio. I am your host, Christopher Chan, advanced sommelier, your cocktail commodore, and master mixologist. Excited to have you join us Saturday night. It is Saturday. It's party time. It's happy hour radio. We're right here, 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. every Saturday on 570 KVI. Hope you had a great Mother's Day last weekend, or a couple weekends ago anyway. And um, I'm excited about today's show, as I am always. It's uh, it's a beautiful day in Seattle. We've got great weather, and it reminds me of this exotic place called Greece. It's a country down there in the Mediterranean, or wait, no, the uh, Aegean Seas, right? And uh, I've got Joel Butler, Master of Wine, who owns uh, Redmond World of Wine Shop over in Redmond, and he's uh, been a stalwart in the wine industry here in Washington and California and uh, international judge, and excited to have Joel Butler and and, uh, special guest, uh, Giannis Lambro, who is a producer from a uh, small island in Greece. It's called Lesvos, and uh, he's got a wine called Mythamneos. <laughs> I tried that before, but we'll figure out how to say that. Uh, um, if you'd like to learn about all these great words uh, uh, from around the world, you need to uh, check out, uh, well, some great classes. We've got classes at South Seattle Community College. We've got classes over at Redmond World of Wines, and uh, these are the WSEC classes and just cool classes. If you want to learn about wine, check out uh, Redmond World of Wines. And uh, right now, I want to welcome Joel Butler and Yanis Lambrow to Happy Hour Radio. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Chris. Hello, Yanis. Well, welcome to Seattle. And uh, before we um, uh, get into conversation with you, Yanis, I want to go set a little backdrop here about uh, the world of wines when it pertains to Greece. So, Joel Butler, let's give me a little, uh, well, a little paint a picture of where we are in the world and what the history is of uh, Greece viticulture. Sure, Chris. So, Greece is, uh, I think most everybody knows, is in the eastern Mediterranean Sea. Uh, it is one of the founding countries for wine culture uh, going back 5,000 years. And Greece has always been, uh, since that time, known for some of the best wines um, up until more recently um, because of historical reasons. But from the you know ancient period, the wines of Greece were highly renowned by the Romans. The Romans effectively adopted a lot of the best Greek wines as their favorites. And they were highly prized and written about back then. And what makes them interesting is that Greece is this mountainous country surrounded by sea on three sides. And you have this this distinctive combinations of uh, climate and soils ranging from volcanic places like the island of Lesbos, where Yanis is from, to Santorini in the further south in the Aegean. And then you also have more uh, sedimentary soils and rocky areas in the mountains on the mainland. And between that and the different climates, from very cool in the north to fairly warm, of course, in the south in the islands, there's a wide range of wines made. And because it was isolated... Uh, for most of the modern period, there hasn't been as much of the internationalization of wine grapes from France, for example, until quite recently. 
And Greek wines, uh, for the most part, the most interesting are from these uh, distinctive local varieties with Greek-sounding names, of course, exotic <laughs> names, like Chino Mavro uh, as a red variety, Aigioritico uh, from the Peloponnese. Uh, we call it St. George in English. Um, uh, Assyrtico white grapes from Santorini, which is one of the best white grapes of Greece. And all of these wines have really intense flavors, distinctive style, and for the most part are now coming back into the market here in the United States on a wellspring of, uh, I would say, not only good notoriety for quality, but also I think people are fascinated by Greece. And perhaps the, the only positive side of the recent issues with Greek with the Greek economy, perhaps, is that it's brought Greece into the mindset of people on a broader picture. So the Greek wine, uh, the idea of helping out Greece in a way by buying Greek wines might not be such a terrible thing. As in, of course, it's the wellspring of the historical background for m making wine in the Mediterranean area for several thousand years. Can uh, we say that that was really the birthplace, or was it more of the Georgia area? Well, Greece is not a birthplace of the wine grape. That definitely has to do with southeast Anatolia in Turkey and Georgia and Armenia. That's the archaeological record and the historical record. But wine grapes arrived from that area in Greece probably not that long after, uh, maybe a 1,000 or 2,000 years later. So Greece was on the path westward, as you will, of the wine grape, and that's why we have all these unique varieties in Greece that probably haven't changed terribly much in a couple, 3,000 years, although it's very hard to determine that because the genetics just can't uh, analyze ancient sure. DNA very easily. So in the in terms of uh, the, the wines of Greece, uh, we have white wines, uh, red wines, pink wines, orange wines, and sweet wines. Give us a little profile of what <laughs> we're thinking here. What we're All drinking. of the above. Um, certainly Yanis, when we look to his wines shortly, um, he makes white, red, and orange, all three of those types. But yes, depending on where you are, there's um, everything from wonderful uh, dry reds in the north uh, or from the Peloponnese. Uh, Macedonia particularly is famous for this wine grape called Chino Mavro, which makes a sort of between a Pinot Noir and a Nebbiolo-style wine. And that's spelled with an X at the first letter, that's right? That's correct. Yeah. I'm not sure I'm getting my Greek pronunciation <laughs> correctly. I hope... Uh, we'll ask Yanis to Yanni help us will, out. Yanis will correct Sino Mavro. That's... Sino Mavro. There we go. Sino Mavro. All right. And, uh, and then we have the wonderful white grape like Assyrtico, uh, which clearly is a very ancient variety based upon the fact that it pretty much is uh, located uh, originally Santorini. from Santorini, and Santorini is pretty isolated. It's an and, island, yes. And there's lots of reasons to suspect that there hasn't been much traffic one way or the other over 3,000 years to change the idea that that was from there. And so when you talk about climate, we've talked about some of the terroir or some of the soils, and you said cold in the north, but what is cold? I mean, cold in Washington is really wet in 45 degrees. That may be true in western Washington, but out where our grapes grow out east, it's cold. It's <laughs> yeah, freezing true. cold, it's and it snows, climate. and it's continental climate. And, you know, depending on where you are in Greece, it's either a Mediterranean maritime climate. But as you get up north, particularly in the mountains of Epiros or in Macedonia, you do get into a quasi-continental climate. Um, and so you do have much cooler uh, temperatures in the winter. You do get snow. 
The summers, of course, are going to be warm and uh, probably drier than uh, other places like Bordeaux, for example. But at the same time, you also have elevation to make it cooler. Hmm. The other side of it, of course, is the maritime climate. You're getting winds and things off the the sea, and the sea will cool things down. And probably Yanis can talk about that more specifically in the context of Lesbos being an island. Uh, so I'll leave that to him. Well, let's talk about some of the viticulture then. Are we are we talking um, irrigation in uh, vertical shoot positioning, or is this sort of really old world where you've got uh, crown uh, or you know um, bush vines and, and things like that? What what is some of the the vine training? Well, as I talk about in my book, Divine Vintage, following the wine trail from Genesis to the modern age, in the chapter on Greece, uh, particularly viticulture is either still very traditional in certain places like uh, Santorini where you have low trained bush vines um, because of the lack of water, because of wind um, and they are ungrafted and they're hundreds of years old in some cases but in the north and in other areas where phylloxera took over in the 19th century in infected vineyards you have modern viticulture with vertical shoot positioning, trellising um, all the normal things you would expect out of a modern, competent uh, winemaking operation. It really depends on the varieties, um, be they international, be they Greek, but it really does depend upon, um, you know, how old the vines are, whether they've been grafted, and other aspects. So Very cool. Everything from ancient to modern. Yeah, it's got. I mean, the, it's got modernization. I mean, I bet you Greece was modern five thousand years ago to some <laughs> degree. Five thousand years ago or four thousand years ago was probably more state of the art. Yeah. Uh, pretty cool. Um, so you have a book, uh, Divine Vintage, and uh, that's a really nice book. I, I got a copy, and I appreciate uh, the in depth and the stories and and the tr- the wine trail is very interesting because you talk about old varieties. Where can we find this book? Uh, well, uh, you can certainly buy it from our store, worldofwinesonline.com. Um, it should be available through Amazon as well. The only difference, of course, is you'll get a signed copy if you get it ah, from our store. Perfect. Um, and I think it's available as well through on electronic Very Amazon. Very good. A Kindle thing? Kindle, Nook, that Nook. sort of thing. Excellent. And it should be in good bookstores. I think Elliot <laughs> Bay carries it uh, around, the, That's around it. the globe. All right. Well, speaking with Joel Butler, Master of Wine, who's the uh, owner, partner in the Redmond World of Wines over there on the east side. And he's in the studio today. We're chatting about, uh, well, the country of Greece, and uh, we have a very special guest, Yanni Lambro. Um, let's chat about Methymneos, right? How do I say it again? Methymneos? You're perfect. Oh, wow. Thank you. Uh, you pronounce it perfectly well. I don't feel the need to pronounce it myself. <laughs> uh, yes, I'm producer of uh, Methymneos Organic Wines of Lesvos. Uh, basically, my uh, wines are made from... Uh, rare grape variety of the island of Lesbos. The name of the variety is Hidiriotico. Uh, For those who are Americans who are English-speaking, this is spelled kind of Chiaridico. It's that's with a C H I R. Well, basically, I wasn't sure how to pronounce it, how to spell it in English, uh. because Hidiriotico, the uh, letter in the beginning, is actually a cross between an H and a CH. Uh, and because I sell my wines to countries like France, where the H is silent, uh, I, I mean, in, Fren- in French, it would be idiotico, uh, which doesn't mean anything if I just had put an H in the beginning. So it's C-H, and you take it however you want it. 
Very cool. It's a very interesting grape, and that's what's exciting about Greece is because they're really um, quite exotic-sounding names, and really people stumble across them. So this is good to have you, and this year the first Greece winery we've had. Um, so tell us about your history, how you got into the winemaking business, and um, we'll go from there. Well, uh, the winery was started by uh, my family, uh, my father and my mother. Uh, it uh, he well, basically, the name of the variety comes from the village of Hidira in western Lesbos. So the uh, suffix "iko" in Greek means related to. So Hidiriotiko is related to Hidira, to the village of Hidira, and Hidira is a very remote uh, place. A friend of mine named Matt Barrett, who has the site Greek, uh, greecetravel.com and lesvos.com, um, says that Hidira is probably the far west of uh, Lesvos, uh, meaning that um, when my uh, father and mother got married in 1975, uh, they had a Ford Capri, and uh, <laughs> they went to Hidira, and it was the only automobile in the village, a couple of other trucks and donkeys mainly. So uh, it's a very remote uh, village, um, and um, my father, who's a classicist, uh, uh, started uh, uh, this along with my mother, mainly because of historical reasons. He had read in history that Lesbos produced the most expensive wine in the ancient markets. Uh, actually, there's a saying by Archestratos, who's an ancient writer. Um, uh, he writes in one of his books, uh, I can name and praise the wines that are produced in many cities, and their names I do not forget, but no wine may be compared to the wine of Lesbos. So that's what triggered my father's interest into uh, uh, making wine on the island of Lesbos, which... Uh, uh, didn't produce any wine at the time. Um, and the reason for this was phylloxera, of course. But phylloxera cannot be the only reason, because phylloxera had attacked vineyards all over uh, Greece. And um, the solution that was given to the problem, of course, was to graft uh, uh, varieties, Greek varieties, on rootstock that is resistant to phylloxera. But well, hold that thought. So we're going to get back, we'll come back from this break. We're going to talk about Phylloxera. We're going to talk about the island of Lesbos, and uh, we'll talk about more about your story. So stick around. I'm speaking with Giannis Lambro of uh, Methymneos Winery, which is an organic winery in Greece. Stick around. We'll be right back on Happy Hour Radio. Lars Larson has the real story. Weekdays, 6 to 9 p.m., only on Talk Radio 570 KVI. Talk Radio 570 KVI Want to Know Weekends continue. Now, back to Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right, welcome back to Happy Hour Radio. So excited to have Master of Wine, local Master of Wine, Joel Butler in studio. We're chatting about uh, the country of Greece and the island of Lesvos with special guest Giannis Lambro of Methymneos Winery. It's an organic winery on an island, Lesvos. And when we just... Uh, left this break, we were chatting about phylloxera. Phylloxera is the little root louse which is indigenous to the United States and when um, we, in the old days when we had shipping back and forth uh, we brought the root louse over to, uh, well, to Europe and then it spread and was really hungry because the Vitis vinifera vine was not resistant to phylloxera but the American rootstock was. So, Giannis, you're chatting about how phylloxera took over um, most of Europe and found its way down to the Greece, uh, the country of Greece and some of the islands 
violence, I, I guess, um, which is quite interesting. Tell us, um, your father had a vision, so something about history. About uh, which history? Philoxera's history? Well, you were or? talking about that there was historical presence. We were talking about how the, uh, the, the grapes or the wines of Lesvos were, were renowned by some you know, academians and people who knew what great wine was back in the, I don't know, fourth century? <laughs> or earlier. Yeah. Or earlier, earlier yes. Yeah. I'm not sure about the century. I was always very bad at numbers. Uh, but uh, in ancient times, definitely. So um, yes, this uh, variety that I cultivate by my father. By the time my father and mother had arrived to the island of Lesbos to um, uh, reproduce it, uh, was almost completely destroyed by phylloxera. Uh, because unlikely, uh, unlike to uh, other. Uh, Unlike other parts of uh, Greece, um, uh, where phylloxera didn't survive, uh, the soil of Lesbos, uh, where it survived, it, it uh, found um, uh, breeding ground on the um, soil of Lesbos. So what they did is they found the last remaining vines of this uh, grape variety, Hidriotico, and they grafted them on rootstock resistant to phylloxera, and that uh, happened in the 1980s. And uh, the winery started being built in 1994. It was completed in 97, and the first bottle came out in 1999. And it was the harvest of 97. And uh, at some point in uh, the year 2002, uh, my uh, family tells me it's yours, meaning the winery. Take it over and do whatever you want with it. Wow. Now, um, I was helping I was helping my family um, with the winery ever since I was a kid, but uh, but I wasn't really in the wine business up until that point. Uh, so um, I am taking over, and I need to find uh, ways to get this going. But you were bottling in 1999, right? You sure. had a full production facility. You were making three types of wine, or you make more wine? We were making just one type of wine. Uh, we were making just the red wine, because the red wine on the island of Lesbos, the only type of wine traditionally made was the red wine. Because it's mostly red grapes, or all red grapes. Well, Hidriotico, which is uh, the traditional uh, variety of the island, is uh, red. Uh, we had a couple of other varieties, but... Uh, uh, back in the old days. And so the wines you brought today are all made from that red grape, correct? Yes. Uh, basically, my uh, uh, my business is based on three principles. One, I only make wine from this particular grape variety. Uh, two, all vineyards are located in the western part of Lesbos, which is very volcanic, and wine writers have written that it's probably uh, one of the most characteristic terroirs of uh uh, Greece. Now, well, I, I feel the need to probably explain to the American public what terroir means. Terroir is the combination of uh, microclimate uh, and um, uh, soil and um, combination of varieties a particular area may have. It's a French term. It means uh, earth, yeah, essentially. Yeah. Viticulture, too, right? Yeah. Climate, soil, viticulture, yeah, yeah. grape variety. Uh, so, uh, yeah, um, this... Um, 
uh, terroir that we have in Western Lesbos is probably, uh, according to Greek wine writers, uh, one of the most characteristic terroirs. Yeah, very uh, interesting. I saw a picture of it. It was uh, yellow. I mean, it's white and yellow. And you brought it in a piece of uh, the soil here, which it, it looks like something from a Star Trek movie or a Star Trek episode. <laughs> it's uh, it's something like a clear crystal dagger. And uh, t- tell us about this particular um, type of mineral or uh, soil composition here. What is this? Well, it sure won't beam you up. <laughs> uh, but um, basically, it's a gypsum crystal. You can find them uh, lying on the ground uh, where uh, the main vineyard is. Um, and um, uh, well, one of the compounds in gypsum is sulfur. Uh, and uh, on the outside, you can see some yellow parts. They are sulfur, actually. And in the inside of the crystal, you can see some blue parts. This is copper sulfate. And this is all natural protection against the diseases of vines on the one hand. On the other hand, these materials are responsible for the wine's rather distinct minerality. It's very interesting because sulfur and copper sulfate are, are two ingredients used throughout the world of viticulture. And I know we had the Bordeaux mixture, which was basically a exactly. copper sulfite and perhaps a little bit of sulfur in there. But sulfur is used to help uh, sterilize uh, oak barrels and sterilize equipment. Equipment, things like that, but also help to preserve. It's a, it's a sulfite, so it it's preserves. It's an antioxidant. Antioxidant, yeah, very good, Joel. So, um, very unique soil. I've never seen anything like it in the world, and I've studied soils and looked at pictures, of course. Uh, and this is quite interesting. It's all made from lava flows, right? Yes. Um, um, the region of the village of Hidira is basically the crater of the volcano that created the petrified forest of the island. On Lesbos, we have a thing called the petrified forest. It's essentially uh, trunks that uh, turned into um, stone right. at some point We've in got history. a petrified forest here in Washington as well. Uh, yeah, I know Not this. Not quite as and interesting that it, well, yours is a lot larger and very, I mean, those trunks are huge. And we can go to the website, and I'll just say that right now. is uh, The website is M-E-T-H-Y-M-N-A-E-O-S.com. Methimneos. So check it out. Uh, you've got pictures. You've got a great website, and I think that's uh, it's good for historical reference and perspective. Could I just add a couple of things to preface what Yanis will say about his wine? This first wine is a white wine, but what's interesting, uh, what he was saying before, is that winers, all his wines are made from a red grape. But historically, I don't know if people... Um, know or remember, but Lesvos, the island, in a way, is uh, famous for two things, at least from the ancient world period. One was the great poetess Sappho, who was from the island of Lesvos, um, writing in the 5th century BCE. The other was the quality of the wines, and in those days, uh, the most famous Roman writer who has come down to us, Pliny the Elder, in his book, that the one. he mentions, you know, he praised these highly regarded Homeric wines, of which one was Lesbos's white wines. Um, so in those days, Lesbos was quite famous for wine, and it was white wine, and so it's really interesting that Yanis is now making white wines from these red grapes, harking back to that tradition. Excellent. So you now own the winery yourself, Giannis, right? Yes. Excellent. And uh, do you have employees? Yes, I have a couple. But <laughs> uh, essentially, um, what happens is that when you own businesses like that, you have to really commit yourself. So I do the winemaking, I do the sales, 
and um, you do I, the traveling. Too, I do the you. traveling. I do public relations. I do uh, pretty much everything. But of course, I help. I have people who help me. What's your total production? My total production is just twenty thousand bottles. Wow. Uh, mainly red, uh, and uh, well, about seventy percent red and thirty percent the other two. And it's all one tier per se, right? You don't have a reserve red or a no, uh, no, no. I don't have. I don't have that. Usually, uh, usually I sell what I have in my cellar, and then it's the next vintage. And uh, how? Um how much age have you had on these wines, per se? Do you, did you have a 1997 in your cellar still? Do you have something that you can look back on uh, how it develops? Back in 2012, we did a vertical wine tasting of my wines in Athens uh, uh, for wine professionals, and we tasted the very first Methymneos, uh, red, of course, uh, that of two of sorry of uh, 1997, uh, and um, everybody thought it was fantastic. So it still becomes better uh, every day in the bottle, I assume. <laughs> well, tell us about your winemaking prowess. Where did you learn? Did you just learn on the job? Did you watch Pops? Or I'll tell you what happened. As I told you, when I took the winery over in 2002, I had no idea. Well, of course, I had uh, uh, some knowledge of winemaking and uh, grape harvesting, Grape, grape harvesting um, but um, uh, you know um, it wasn't my job so I had to make it mine and I had to find uh, solutions to various problems one of the problems uh, was that there was no bibliography on how to uh, make wine from Hiviriotico grapes. Oh. So uh, I was very lucky uh, to have... Um, um, uh, to have an enologist who had studied at Davis University in California, <laughs> and that is very luck. And I was very lucky because uh, most enologists uh, uh, employed in Greece uh, get their degrees from European universities. Right. I like that idea. So when we come back from this break, we're going to chat about uh, the enologist from United, uh, UC Davis, University of California, at Davis, a great enology program, and we're going to dive into your wines. I see we've got a white, a red, and a very special orange wine. Speaking with Yanis Lombro of Methymneos Winery. It's an organic winery on the island, the Greek island of Lesbos. So stick around. We'll be right back on Happy Hour Radio. He's live. He's here. Sean Hannity. Weekdays, noon to 3, only on Talk Radio 570 KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends, and you're listening to Happy Hour Radio. Now back to Seattle, Somalia, Christopher Chan. Hey, welcome back to Happy Hour Radio. Gotta say, this uh, grease is the word. Grease is the word. <laughs> In studio here with Joe Butler, Master of Wine, owner of Redmond World of Wines, worldofwines.com, and a special guest all the way from Greece, from the island of Lesbos. Yanis Lambrou is uh, the proprietor of an organic winery in Greece. It's called Methymneos, and we're chatting about, uh, he hired an enologist to help him make the wine, and uh, Yanis, tell us how that went. 
Well, um, we had to experiment a lot with the grape variety to reach uh, this uh, level of quality. Uh, and um, every every year we're trying something else. We learn from our mistakes. And um, now we sell our wines all the way to the U.S., to China, to France, to Denmark, Taiwan. Excellent. Well, uh, you've got uh, worldwide uh, um, distribution, which is very cool, and I'm excited to have you here in Seattle. And I, I encourage everyone to reach out and, and experiment with some Greek wines and Greek wines. And uh, the Hidroritiko is uh, quite a, a mouthful to say, but um, I have a white wine in my glass, and it's quite a mouthful of wine. Tell us about this. Well, um, one thing that is very characteristic about my wines in general is the rather distinct uh, minerality that they have, uh, and that comes uh, uh, from uh, the soil, uh, which is very characteristic, as we said. Uh, the I don't know whether Joe will agree with me, but um, I think that... Um, my understanding of my wines is also correct. Now, um, I, I I describe my um, white wine as hay-colored. Uh, the bouquet is characteristic, of course, of the Hidriotico grape in Blanc de Noir processing. That means white wine from red grapes. Blanc de Noir is white wine from red grapes. And it combines muscat with tones of flowers and citrus fruit. And although Methimneos white... Uh, is dry, it has a sherry-like sweetness to its taste. Um, and, of course, uh, the minerality uh, is evocative of sulfur, mostly of sulfur, because uh, it's a very important compound in our soil. Usually, minerality um, uh, has a chalk chalky feel to it, but this minerality here is sulfuric. I don't know whether Joel will agree. What do you have well, to say I, on this, Joel? Well, I agree about the citrus notes. I would say that it's not sulfury in character at all. No, uh, that's not necessarily a good thing when we talk about <laughs> 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 But I take uh, Yanis's point that, you know, there is a distinct we, we have to use a word like minerality because there's no other word to describe this kind of non-fruit taste. And yet, um, it doesn't taste like sherry either, although it is quite dry. And it, but it does have a mouthfeel. There is a richer texture to it, perhaps, like sherry, but it is more like a traditional classic white wine. And to me, um, being familiar with a number of Greek white wines, it's, it's probably more similar to a wine like a Sirtico, which has an also volcanic soil base to its terroir. And you get that mineral, that almost nutty, citrusy character to it, but dry and very full-bodied for a wine that's actually delicate in many ways. Well, this is so interesting. The fact that it's made from a red grape, the acidity here is nice and bright. I'm sure that it's warm down there, so there's probably a little bit of correcting that goes on. Um, the the finish it does finish like a sherry. It's very dry. It's very clean, but there's this hint of of uh, almost calcium carbonate or something. And I guess that's that's just the soil because you're just really uh, sulfur and gypsum, and the gypsum is is really like a quartz crystal here. So. I get it. Um, it's a delicious wine. It's something that people would have to get used to, but if they're if they get past that first sip, I think it's something that's very very pleasurable. It's uh, it has that richness on the palate and the finish. Um, touches of citrus fruit here. It's mostly in the lemon camp, um, and just a a very. Do you have any lees on here? Because I just get a very very faint taste of uh, uh, bread yeast or 
Uh, do I use he's? Do you th- I mean, do you lease contact patronage or? Uh, uh, no, I don't do that. So I don't, I, right, I don't, I don't do that. Nothing on the lease because it's just very faint. So that's really all grape driven. It's pretty yes, cool. Yes. Well, basically, we use yeast. Uh, to make wine. Oh, of course, yes. Uh, uh, well, the only one of the three wines that I make uh, where we uh, use added yeast uh, is the white wine. The other two are all um, Indi- uh, uh, indi- made with indigenous yeast. Yeah. Um, now, um, the thing with the white wine is that it ferments at sixteen degree- at 19 degrees centigrade. Sorry, I don't understand Fahrenheit coming from the metric system. I think that's 70-something. Uh, it's, a low, it's mid-60s. Okay. Well, thank you. <laughs> thank you for that. Uh, but um, uh, uh, the reason why the wine ferments at that temperature, well, well I'll use centigrade again to explain myself um, uh, to make uh, white wine uh, you need to uh, have it fermented between 16 and 19 degrees centigrade uh, if it ferments at uh, the lower level which is 16 degrees centigrade you basically get, get uh, aromas from yeast yeah more of the, the flavors okay uh, we're going to go on to the orange wine now and that's interesting because it's all about temperature whether it's red wine white wine or even orange wine fermentation temperature adds a lot to the, the esters polyphenols all the flavors flavors and aromas that come with the wine, because sometimes a hotter fermentation can blow that stuff off. So let's talk about orange wine. Orange wine is very unique. And before we get into orange wine, what is this white wine, the Hiderictico um, from Methimneos run here in at Redmond World of Wines? Well, we don't have it in yet. We are still waiting to get it later this summer. And so probably will be plus or minus $20, depending upon what I've understood to be the prices. All right. So this orange wine is... is, uh, They're on their way. Good. We'll we'll find that at Redmond World of Wines. Orange wine here from uh, the island of Lesvos in Greece. Typical is, this mean it's been uh, colored orange because you've added coloring, or is this more of an oxidative thing where you uh, actually uh, open top fermenters and just let that wine sort of get a different color? Uh, not only that, it ferments at 25 degrees centigrade uh, at a, a like a red wine. wine. Uh, the idea behind an orange wine is that it's basically a white wine fermented in a way similar to a red wine. Uh, and uh, on the other hand, um, it's filtered only once. Uh, whereas white wine is filtered three times. And, of course, as I mentioned before, uh, there's no added yeast to the orange wine. Interesting. Um, it's quite a, an exotic flavor. There's... Um it reminds me of a little bit of Madeira. It's more of a kind of a Circeal Madeira. You get the, the high, bright acidity, but you get this, this, this almost caramelized citrus peel or orange peel or um, dried candied peel. It's not that it's sweet. But it's just a hint of this sort of browned uh, fruit note, which I think is quite interesting. Um, clean again. Uh, no residual sugar, right? 100% dry? Uh, very little residual okay, sugar, so which makes it uh, dry. Yeah. 100% right. dry. Essentially 100% dry. It has a distinct uh, character, almost of baking spice, like cardamom, clove, cinnamon, which I think is also typical. Wow, yummy. Um, what an experience. Now, this wine would be line-priced as well, or is there a little more into making this wine? Um, uh, 20 bucks in the United States? Yeah, 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 Great. I think so. I do, think you, so. do you use oak barrels to, to age this? or? Uh, no, um, I basically uh, only use French oak for the uh, red wine. Okay. Uh, the other two two are just uh, wines from the tank. Great. Well, let's talk about this uh, um, red wine, and it's quite a an exotic color. It reminds me more of a Barolo color. Um, it's on that pink and orange hue with a little bit of garnet, um, just a touch of um, 
uh, sort of plum, dried plum brown. Well, Tara Q. Thomas, who's a critic writing for um, uh, Wine and Spirits, once wrote for uh, wrote uh, for the red wine uh, that it brings Barolo to mind. But usually, um, people. Uh, Name it the Burgundy of the Aegean. That's exactly what I taste. It tastes like a great Burgundy. Um, it looks. It, wow, this is a really very cool. mature Burgundy. Yes, it. Uh, this is really really cool. I'm really turned on by this wine. This is this is a great mystery wine because I think all, my, especially with the French oak on there, all my Somme friends were saying, "Oh well, hmm, I think this is Von Romanet or something crazy like that." Well, um, this is true. Uh, it brings Barolo. It brings Burgundy to mind, but it but it is uh, sui generis. Uh, meaning uh, a thing of its own. It's, yes. That's Latin for a thing of oh, its own. Oh, I like Latin. So fun. Well, Yanis uh, Lambro of Methymneos Winery. It's a Greek winery. It's on the island of Lesvos. Um, you make organic wines because the, the, the soil definitely has uh, sulfur in it. And Joel, give us a last comment about these wines. I think they're really unique and distinctive, and that what's, that's what makes Greece so fantastic. Um, the only thing I want to say also is to get to our website. It's worldofwinesonline.com. Worldofwinesonline.com. Well, Yanis Lambrell, welcome to Seattle. Such a pleasure to meet and chat with you and share your story. And congratulations on crafting, um, on saving some history in, the, in our world of wines. Thank you for joining me on Happy Hour Radio. Thank you very much for such a warm welcome that I certainly didn't expect. Oh, pleasure. Joel Butler, good to see you, my friend. And uh, we'll Thanks, look forward Chris. to seeing you at nice some of your tastings you out at uh, World of Wines and Redmond. And uh, uh, coming up next, I got our reality radio segment. It's a day in the life of Mary Hill Winery. So stick around. We'll be right back on Happy Hour Radio. live. He's here. Sean Hannity. Weekdays, noon to three, only on Talk Radio 570 KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends, and you're listening to Happy Hour Radio. Now back to Seattle sommelier, Christopher Chan. All right, segment four, time for round four. It's uh, it's our reality radio segment, a day in the life of Mary Hill Winery, one of our great partners here on Happy Hour Radio. And I have the pleasure of welcoming back uh, their uh, executive director of winemaking. I'm sure you've got a great title. Richard Batchelor, welcome to Happy Hour. Great, thanks. Nice to be here. So I uh, just teased your, your title. What is exactly your title again? Just a winemaker. Yep, it's just uh, one of me. Um, it gets uh, thrown around a different few titles, like uh, Chief Hose Dragger and things like that. So. Chief, I uh, love it. Like, so you can have yep. some fun. And uh, um, Well, winemaking is, is big, especially at Maryhill, because you produce 40-plus wines. Is that correct? Yeah, it's 50-plus. 50-plus. Uh, yeah. Do we have, like, a number on the wall that we're, we're working towards this goal? Like. <laughs> Um, no, I think the sky keeps going up and up. So ah. uh, it's fun as well as challenging. So it creates a lot of blending options for us. And uh, so most of my time at the moment just, you know, tasting and blending red wines. And, you know, with 31 different varieties, obviously 
uh, that makes a lot of work. That that is that's really amazing because when you think about um, you know the, the large properties and Mary Hill is an eighty thousand case a year production uh, and fantastic wines. You have uh, several different tiers. You've got the Columbia Valley tier. You've got the uh, proprietors reserve tier, and then you have um, the vineyard select tier. Yes. Yep. All right, got it down. Well, 50 wines is, is really fun because you get a chance to uh, to craft wines for different demographics, different, you know, people are all, they have their preferences, so you get uh, an introductory crowd, which is learning to, to taste wines at that, uh, you know, 15 and under price point. Then you give them a proprietor's reserve, which is the step up. So you have this nice ladder of quality uh, for Washington wines. Yeah, and that's what makes it really exciting with the blending options. Um, the fun everyday red blend and white blend are around ten to twelve dollars, and then as you said, you know, I've got the reserve series that starts around twenty and goes up to forty, as well as the vineyard series. And that's we're trying to create wines from different AVAs of Washington to really showcase the region. Um, we have a, a Cabernet and a Merlot from Red Mountain. Uh, we've got some lovely Grenache and Rhone varieties from the Rattlesnake Hills area. So we're really trying to piece together different areas of Washington and, and bring them to uh, people who want to enjoy wines and visit Mary Hill. That's great. And I know you have got a great summer um, coming up with all the concerts and stuff. Um, but when did you start um, sourcing grapes from Red Mountain? That would be 2012. We were lucky enough to get uh, some fruit from uh, Kiona Vineyards, which is uh, one of the oldest or the oldest in Red Mountain. And it's a, a really lovely site. The, the family there has done a fantastic job maintaining uh, the vineyard and also putting in some new plants as uh, the, the growth there in Red Mountain continues. Yeah, they got a lot of property. I know it's be very exciting times for them because all the acreage has been uh, purchased, all the water rights are purchased. So uh, the writing is on the wall. The limits have been set. It'll be very exciting to see how that progresses in ten years. Well, so it is uh, a day in the life of Mary Hill Winery. So what's happening down in the winery today? Uh, we're actively bottling uh, Pinot Gris. Um, we do about five thousand cases of that, so that takes us uh, four days to get through bottling. And then as well, I've got uh, uh, Sangiovese sitting in front of me right now. With we're doing an acid trial to get the right acid balance for the for the palate. So there's six wines I have to get to uh, once I get off the phone with you. And, um, <laughs> you know, well, it's rough. We appreciate yeah. you taking this time to share. Um, it's very interesting because we started back in September talking about uh, the, the conditions and harvest, and we talked about crushing and picking. And um, this has been really fun for me to sort of really live the life cycle of a winery. Now, when you say it takes four days to bottle 5,000 cases, is that 24-7, or do you actually have a 10-hour crew? Yeah, we just do bottling for eight hours, so about 8.30 to 4.30, um, just four days a week. Uh, so the line runs about 60 bottles a minute. Um, so that's sort of the, the rough speed to get through that volume. Yes, is there a is there a dial where you can slow it down, or is that just one setting? Can you can you go to uh, eleven? It can go up and down, yes, for sure. So uh, depending on the speed that we need to process that, we will turn it up or down. How many people does it take to work a bottling line for you guys? We have uh, seven staff that run the bottling line. Interesting. And so they all have different stations. Obviously, somebody's dumping glass and somebody's putting on the capsule, and then people are um, putting the, the finished wine into boxes, and then it gets palletized. So there's 
different stations and they sort of stay on each station for 15 to 20 minutes and then rotate out to a different job so they don't just get bored of doing one activity. Yeah, that's good. you got to keep the mind fresh and uh, you can't have that strenuous activity or the repetitive stuff. Well, uh, Richard Batchelor, so fun. I'm, I'm excited to talk to you again and uh, good luck on bottling 5,000 cases of Pinot Gris and uh, look forward to tasting that Sanjo, wonderful Sangiovese you produce at Mary Hill Winery. Yep. Thank you, Chris. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Richard. That's Richard Batchelor, uh, winemaker, director of uh, Chief uh, Hose Operator and Dragger. <laughs> Having some fun with this title, and we love that about the wine industry because we do a lot of, we wear a lot of hats. And I hope you enjoyed today's show. Um, I look forward to seeing you at some of the events uh, around town. And uh, don't forget, it's happyhourradio.net. It's our website. And remember, folks, life is always better with a designated driver. Cheers. Cheers.